Hello and welcome to BG Weekend Watch, kindly sponsored by BetMGM with myself, Andrew Mount and Dave Young to guide you through day two of the November meeting at Cheltenham for lads suitably dressed as per. But Dave is out doing Andrew and I quite significantly, I feel, this week. So we've managed to level it up. I feel like I need to up my own game, but we have plenty to look forward to. And talking of Cheltenham chat, we are also going to be looking ahead to the Cheltenham Festival. A few angles in there towards the end of the show, so make sure you stay tuned for that. Right on with the action, because we begin at Cheltenham before we get to Lingfield, and we start with a listed novices chase for five rods and over, over three miles and a half of furlong at 145, where Mr Coffey heads the market as the five to two market leader, and he's still... He's still a novice. Uh, it's mad, isn't it? But Andrew, surely he gets the job done here, doesn't he? This is one of the best bets of the week. Mr. Coffee to finish second in this race. <laughs> so, um, we, I mean, he does go well fresh. He has one first time out. I think that was at Sandow over hurdles. But he's not from nine over fences now. And uh, he does find one to beat him, doesn't he, most times? Um, thank goodness it was Shambard in the, in the Kim Muir um, a couple of years ago. Um, but yeah, he's going to run well, but he'll probably find one too good. And I thought that you know the angle here is to find what's going to beat him and play him in the um, computer straight forecast or the totally exacta um, to finish second to uh, some of the principals. Um, the, the interest, I thought the most interesting one was Weeble being caught, who um, you know ran a solid race on his um, chasing debut behind Flooring Porter, and um, you know second time out was when to catch him last season. Uh, I think it could be this time around. So uh, Sam Twiston Davis not on board. Uh, Harry Skelton because um, Twiston Davis is riding the uh, the Sam Thomas runner. Um, good risk at all. But I, I thought we've all been caught to beat Mr. Coffee into second. Could be the forecast bet in this race. Mr. Coffee to finish second yet again. Then hopefully we've all been caught to beat him. Says Andrew Dave. Yeah, so like Andrew touches on, Mr. Coffee not from nine over fences. The amount of times he looked like he was going to go and win. Didn't want to go and do it. I think it will just be the same sort of thing again. It's exactly what Andrew's saying there. He's probably the bet to come second in this race. All of these re like recent races, like I think his last seven RPRs are in the 140. So he obviously has got ability, but he's never really stretched beyond those figures. And I think everything in this field could put it up to him. So to try and narrow down, Ala Philippe stayed on strongly in that novice chase debut. That was behind good risk at all. But it was just that he was staying on late in a race where he couldn't, he sort of got outpaced. And although this is over further, he probably could get outpaced in here as well. He's a horse pushing the 140s, so I don't think he's the best in the field. Good risk at all that we've I've mentioned there as well. As um, Andrew said, Sam Tristan Davis will ride here. He did choose We've All Been Caught over Broadway Boy when they ran behind Floor Porter. Good risk at all was seriously impressive on that chase debut. He was back like defeat was out of the question. Giovinco was in that race as well. So it's not as if he didn't have a like a market rival in there. Jumping was really, really good from him as well. Because I always thought he was a little bit ropey over his hurdles. He's got good form when you go back, was behind John Bourne. I just don't know if he stays three miles and half a furlong. So that's my big question mark around him. But we know what Sam Twisting can gave can be like maybe a real real whacker-esque type ride from the front could see him to good effect i've mentioned most of them broadway boyd the one i've got to mention though because he gave five pounds to florian porter in that race that when they ran in the october meeting he did make a mistake at the end and he was a little bit sloppy over his hurdles but 
if you get the time to watch every single one of his races, there's lots of times that he jumps impeccably. Um, Nigel Twiston Davis horses, I know Andrew said there we've all been caught was one to catch second time out. I think a lot of Nigel's horses have been good first time out, and then maybe next time out they're a little bit of a worry. So that's my only concern with Broadway Boy, but I think he's the best jockey in here. The jockey booking makes sense. Sam, Tof um, Sam Thomas often has Sam Twiston Davis in there. <laughs> Tom Bellamy's on Broadway Boy. That floor in Porter form is better than anything else in this race. So Broadway Boy has the fewer negatives in, in this field than anybody else. I think Broadway Boy probably does win this. Oh, I like it a lot. But yeah, it is fascinating, isn't it? On the jockey front, the fact that Sam Tristan Davis is riding for Sam Thomas over his dad's own two horses and then the decision that he had to make last time out where he chose we've all been caught over broadway boy and it all looks as though that's all being factored into the prices here but broadway boy as a result of that is a five to one shot so like we'll wait to play that opener for dave right onto the big one from saturday now it's the paddy power gold cup chase a premier handicap for four year olds and over over two mile four at 220 where we have two of the grade one winning novice chases from a cheltenham festival going head to head in a handicap we absolutely love to see it especially when you look across to ireland on sunday in the troy town at navin and i feel that for once in this country we have bragging rights so our staying handicap chase is much better and this is one of the best renewals of this race we've seen for many a year so dave take away the paddy power gold cup yeah it's a cracking race best race of the weekend and best race of the saturday obviously for sure it's a um it's one where there's a lot towards the head of the market that i think are worth talking about i know andrew will get stuck into a few of these as well <clears throat> i've got less waffling on the later two races so i am going to talk about a few in here but i think i've got myself a bet it's a decent price as well so obviously stage star, not long till May, we have got the Turner's form. The weight swing now, there's three pounds in there for a three length defeat. So they're sort of weighted to be in and around each other. It's definitely worth noting though, that stage stars, two one five nine RPRs that he put in, which are career bests, both on the new course and pulled up in 2022 on the old course when behind Sir Gerhard in the Ballymore. So not completely like, not as I say re relevant, it is relevant. It's just not completely reliable. This is obviously a different discipline now. He is improved for offence, but I don't know. I think he's probably high enough in the handicap now. And like I say, not long until May's waited to be around the same. So that makes me feel those two probably don't deserve to be as short as they are, which sounds mad. Unexpected party, very popular for this race, well touted. Obviously, Nappers Hill's gone and won after. I think Nappers Hill probably needed that run at Chepso, so he's been flattered with that form being franked. Also, in that turn, is eight and a half length behind the winner, that gets nine pound swing. So, again, in the depth of that race, I just think they're all sort of much of a muchness, and none of them really excite me. Gotta mention the real whacker. He broke my heart in the Brown Advisory when Jerry Colomb didn't win the race. He also broke my heart on New Year's Day when he beat Mon Morale. And obviously those are over different trips. I would beg the question with the real whacker. He's only had three starts over fences. I think he had four starts over hurdles, so he's not very exposed. He's already got a rating of 162. So if we're to trust that, and obviously Jerry Colomb's gone out of France to form somewhat in the uh, down rule champion chase, he's running a handicap. He's eight to one and they've dropped him back in trip. Like it just doesn't seem to add up that if he's 162 rated off his novice career, he's either an absolute worldie, but then if he's an absolute worldie, why is he in here? So I don't like the real whacker. He's a little bit negative on the exchanges as well. There's a few people trying to get out of the bet, I think. So I'm well I'm well away from the head of the market. I don't really like much of the front. Angel's breath ran well last month, but should have won. So I know people are looking at that and say it's a prep run. 
I would say no. It should have. He should have won last time. So don't really consider him for this. The one I do really want to consider though is easy as that for Venetia Williams and Charlie Deutsch. There is some rain about Saturday morning. There's not much today and tomorrow. We're recording on the Thursday, but he probably does want a little bit of ease in the ground. He's going to get the ground that he wants. He's a very lightly raced eight-year-old. Came back last season following a very long break. Um, he looked like he maybe needed the run first time out. It was a match race, but you can never tell him those. They get quite tactical, and maybe it wasn't his day. Bolted up next time out though. Uh, beating you betcha he's thumped you betcha since you betcha's running other races it's got like form lines with horses in here but i won't go into that he was sent off six to four favorite in march at sandown after he'd won at newcastle but that race only came two weeks after the newcastle win he was fifth of five he was sent off six to four favorite as i mentioned he, he was just over the top or it came too quick there's a massive excuse for that race i think that he is completely missed in this market because everyone's getting excited about the Cheltenham festival form He's 16 to 1. That Newcastle effort um, was within six spots on his RPR from the official rating. So despite his age, we've definitely not seen the best of him. Like I said, there's a bit of uh, rain to come on Saturday morning, so the ground will be easy enough for him. I think this horse is miles better than his handicap mark, and I think he's going to dot up. So 16 to 1. Bradley, Dave, he's, he's only 12 to 1 now, 11 to 1 in places. Is, as we speak, he's so oh, sorry. People are tuning in. Yeah, you're bugged. Your house is bugged there, Dave. He's literally shortening as you're talking. <laughs> well, I, I well for the, for the sake of that, then because uh, yeah, the, I can see him. Yeah, general twelve to one shot. I think I, I still think it's a massive price. This this will be a horse as well. I think that a lot of people are going to thump those ones towards the front of the market. I think people would have backed anti post. They're going to push out a little bit. I I quite fancy this easy as that. But I would be backing him each way because he's going to like be contested for the lead. Maybe they might ride him in midfield. And one of those ones could be a weldy. Like the real wacker could end up being a weldy. But easy as that for the Paddy Power Gold Cup. And for the informed Venetia Williams Charlie Deutsch combination of 43% strike rates in the last two weeks as we record right now. But he is, he is being clipped in. He was 16 to 1, 12 to 1, general price now for easy as that each way for Dave. Andrew. Yeah, cracking race. Um, interesting stats. It's very hard to win this off an official rating of 149 or higher. Uh, I think in the last 10 years, 61 have tried and only one of those won. Um, it's also um, worth taking on those who ran in uh, class three or lower company last time out. They're not from 30. Uh, and the other interesting stat, last time out winners, one from 44 in the past 10 years with um, John Spirit, the last winner in 2013. Um, and, it, and also seasonal debutants, 150 days absence or longer, not done very well either. Uh, only one winner uh, as well in recent years. That's from a sample of 53. That was Anacotti back in 2015. You sort of throw all that together, uh, comes up with a short list of about one thing, which is Angel's Breath, um, who is interesting. Uh, another uh, Sam Thomas runner. Um, very lightly raced for his age as a nine-year-old with nine runs um, under under rules, one way, one run and a point to point. He, he was off for a long time before pulling up at Kempton in January. That was in Grade Two company. Uh, improved on that next time out to finish second at Chepstow over two miles, which is too sharp for him. And then last time out, uh, this was uh, last month at Cheltenham. He ran a really good race, I thought, finishing second of sixteen. Uh, good ground that day. He, he's a real mudlock. He loves to get, you know, really loves to slosh through sort of soft or heavy going. So I thought that one will have sort of brought him on. And although there's, you know, that long gap in his career is a sort of nagging worry at the back of your mind, I thought Angel's Breath, probably the kind of horse to back win only because, uh, you know, it's, it's probably sort of uh, win or bomb out. 
Uh, the other one I liked is uh, same as Dave. Uh, easy as that. Uh, a qualifier on my you know Venetia Williams handicap chasers in November system, which I wheel out every year in racing and football outlook. Um, and yeah, it's just hard to um, not side with the odds runners in these sort of races. Been off the track for 252 days, but uh, give, given the form of the yard, um, he'll do for me as well. So I'll, I'll go win on Angel's Breath and win on Easy as that. Well, I'm pleased to hear that the three of us are pretty much agreeing in a roundabout way. Both of you two have easy as that. Uh, and you're also making the case for Angel's Breath, which I'm delighted about. Because when you want to side with the horse and before you started speaking about it, what you really want to hear is one of your pundits say, ah, don't consider him for this. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. <laughs> so I was like, ah done um but i'm pleased that it's being picked back up though by andrew at least for angel's breath when you're going through the trends there andrew's thinking angel's breath is ticking all of these apart from the class three run last time out but i am going to take that as the prep run though and for all that he perhaps should have gone closer to winning that i still thought that it was an ideal race to tee himself up for this now i know it makes sense that the market is focusing mainly in on those for all that the real whacker is slightly on the drift now the two grade one winning novice chasers from the Cheltenham festival but because of that i feel that i'm getting a fairer price by angel's breath who's been pushed out to a far more feasible price as a result and i still don't think we've seen the best of him yet only the nine career starts as a nine-year-old which means that he still remains unexposed in handicap company last time out that was his first run over hurdle since his third in a grade one at Aintree back in 2019 and I thought he ran well enough under top weight in that also so Caesar's chase mark protected and I think that a mark of 144 is still a feasible one so we're all sort of agreeing in a roundabout way but definite uh yeah bits of uh disagreement in there as well right to the flat now and to the all weather at Lingfield in the form of the listed Churchill stakes for the three-year-olds and over over 10 fellows at 236. Regal Reality, the current favourite at five to two. So Andrew, who took your eye in this one? Yeah, uh, tricky one this one. First thing to mention about uh, Linkfield is the draw at the moment. It's uh, like it is most winters. It's getting very difficult to win around the inside. It seems to be deeper. We're seeing a lot, a lot of sort of um, fairly prominent but wide winners, um, not necessarily the slingshot like it used to be when you sort of go from last to first in the last 50 yards. And if you're leading with 100 yards to go, you're going to finish ninth. Um, but yeah, I certainly worry about Blue Trail being a prominent racer and a sometimes front runner drawn in store one. Uh, so I wanted to take on Charlie Appleby's runner. Um, Sabuska's semi interesting, having um, sort of run well here previously. A lot of these horses, you know, have been obviously running in good races on turf and don't get the opportunity to race on the all-weather much. Um, but uh, the last time he ran here, he did run second in a similar race uh, under Ryan Moore when he completely blew the start. Um, so that wasn't, wasn't a bad effort. So don't be surprised to see him finish into good effect. But I'm going to go for Fox's Tails, who uh, has been back from fours into 130 um, since the declarations were finalised. Andrew Balding and Oshin Murphy coming out of um, stall four. Not seen since Royal Ascot when... Um, not totally disgraced at 50 to 1 uh, in the um, uh, Wolfton Stakes listed contest over this 10 furlong trip. But the last time he ran on, um, well, the last time he ran at Lingfield, he was uh, third to Lord North in the Winter Derby in February. His only subsequent polytrack run was a, a, an easy uh, win at uh, Kempton in listed company. So I just think, uh, you know, despite the absence, he's still unexposed since being gelded. He's only had the four runs. And uh, I think. All roads lead to the winter derby for him this winter, and this can be a good start for him. 
Fox's tails 100 to 30 second in the market behind Regal Reality at Lingfield for Andrew. Right back to Shelton now for a handicap hurdle for four year old Sonova over three miles at 255. An open contest, six to one the field, headed by Buddy One, but plenty of familiar names in here and a real blend of chases going back, hurdling, unexposed sites, our kind of routine handicappers. But Dave, who wins it? Well, you'll be pleased to know there's only one horse we need to talk about in this race. Chantry House. And I'll start off by just talking about this race, like like sort of recent renewals. It is a good race. Like you said, there's lots of householdy type names in there. But we've had Sporting John won it a couple of years ago. On the blind side for Nicky Henderson and Nico de Boinville. Thomas Campbell for Nicky Henderson with James Bowen. Like there's some nice horses there that can be towards the top of the weights. And I feel like they're fairly obvious ones after they go in the win. I think on the blind side, probably, I think beat Mrs. Milner. Um, it was a neck then. And was semi-similar to Chantry House, right? He'd been beaten favourite at the back end of last season over fences. They did run him in a Newcastle all-weather bumper on the blind side, I remember, before he came and won here. Now, Chantry House is back herding. He's been over fences since 2020, I seem to recall. He... Think, think back to when he was heard, and I know this is loose because it is so many years back, but he beat Edward Stone. He beat Stolen Silver. He beat Shishkin. Oh, he, oh, sorry, he ran third behind Shishkin. Like They're all proper, decent chasers. And he was a decent chaser off himself as well. The mark he gets into this race is 147. The last couple of starts he hasn't completed. I think he fell in the unseated, but the last four RPRs when he has finished were 162 or higher. He was sent off favourite for a King George in his first season outside Open Company. He is miles better than 147 as a racehorse. And I don't understand anyone that would think that Nicky Henderson would plot him for a handicap or go for a big handicap over hurdles. They'd exploit his mark in, in a bigger race because there is no point. He is the chaser. He was favourite for a King George. That's where their aims will lie. Maybe it's a bit of a confidence booster because he hasn't completed those last two starts. But you're not going to get put any confidence into a horse if you run them in a race and they get beat. So he's found a namby-pamby listed handicap herbal where he gets in off 147 even off the back of a break, right, he's got a massive, massive chance of showing true potential. Seven out of his eight starts after a break, he's won. Last season when he came back from a break, obviously didn't all go to plan, but that was over fences. Reverting back to hurdles is just a really smart idea, and we're going to better get stuck in because Chantry House, I will double-check the price just to make sure I'm right, but is a top price 9-1 to one at the time of recording. So I know people will say oh, we might bomb out, maybe like a win-only type bet or something, but Nicky Henderson is not putting a horse that was the calibre of a King George favourite in a race to be pulled up. If he didn't think he was here to do justice, he wouldn't be running him. It's the Even if he was like a 7-2 poke, 4-1 poke, I'd say he's a real scummy each-way price. So the fact we're getting more than double that, 9-1 to one Chantry House is absolutely obscene. I will be obviously gambling responsibly, but I'll be getting stuck into Chantry House in the 255. Nine to one. He makes a very, very compelling case, does Dave Andrew? I mean, yeah, I didn't expect to see that price about Chantry House to be fair when this market opened up. And Dave has just echoed the reasons why. So nine to one shot then for Dave. Where were you looking? Um, yeah, very tricky this one. They could only make it harder by calling it a per attempt qualifier because it does have that um, <laughs> yeah. look to it. it? Yeah, I had, I had to do a double take thinking, where's the word per attempt gone? Um, <laughs> yeah, um, Polish or Polish. Uh, is uh, interesting. I always like Fergal O'Brien um, runners at this meeting because generally speaking, uh, the inside of the hurdles track is going to get cut up and you're going to want to be challenging late and wide when it's you know soft ground, um, particularly if it's um, been churned up on Friday and the uh, and the forecast rain. I think there's uh, 
upwards of um, sort of 10 mil on uh, forecast on Saturday morning. If that arrives, it might be a case of Liam Harrison going wide around the outside, not probably back Polish or Polish each way. Um, Mokadavati um, is always of interest, a bit of, bit of a, a nut job, but he did only start at 16-1 for the Pro Terms final last year. And, um, and he bounced back from that very disappointing Warwick effort to run third at Exeter last time. I, I put him up as a bet. I think I put him up as a win bet. He was uh, SP 18 to 1. He was, I think, less than half those odds in the morning. And I was kicking myself for not backing him each way. And he traded odds on in the win market as well um, on the exchanges. So I thought, yeah, Mokadavasi, 14s into 10s. He, he, had, he had a squeak. A Dartown for Matthew Smith. I mean, he, he's got a great record left-handed on the flat and over jumps. He could run a race, but I'll go Polish each way. Or Polish. Polish slash Polish, yeah, <laughs> none of us are ever sure to be honest. But fourteen to one, though, about the Polish Polish horse there. Uh, we've got a nine-year-old fame and glory in here, Andrew. Come on, Teddy. Oh, but he's oh returning I, missed, from... I missed that. Thanks for pointing that one out. Not oh, at yeah. all. Six hundred and eleven right. days off the track, though, for Ted. But uh, yes, he may yeah. not quite be fit well, enough to do himself well, he justice. He's gone. He's gone well fresh before, and I think uh, I did like. <laughs> Write up a system about Tom George, uh, long absent runners that you'd you know, make a profit back in all those after a break of 300 days or something. So, uh, yeah, but um, yeah, I've changed my mind. I'll go for that one. <laughs> <laughs> scrap everything, scrap everything just on that one point alone. Yeah, <laughs> but just uh, an angle to note we were talking about it before we started recording and having a bit of a laugh about it that Andrew's one of his uh, ploys that he is siding with this season. And if you listen to our previous shows, is the eight year olds and over fame and glory's nine year olds. Most importantly, though, which come on, Teddy is. I'm not siding with him, though. I'm going with Buddy One, being unoriginal, head of the market, six to one shot in here, but a horse I really like. Now, on the face of it, you see that he's been running over the summer then. So he is coming here fit and conditioned. But of course, when you look at that form in isolation in comparison to the caliber of horses he's facing here, it always begs that bit of a question whether or not they're going to be able to translate that up to this type of a race but he proved last season he is more than capable of doing exactly that because he finished third in the Martin Pike beast in a length and a half finished second at Aintree in a premier handicap hurdle just finding the progressive Fenner cross too good on that occasion and he's just continued to improve ever since then with each of his starts and I think that there is still more mileage in this mark highly progressive type with Cheltenham form and that fitness and conditioning. So buddy one for me. Right, Lingfield back here again now for the listed Golden Rose Stakes for the three-year-olds and over over six furlongs at 3.11. Mischief Magic is a warm favourite at five to four, eight to one the field then. So Andrew, what was the play in this one, please? Yeah, we've got a fairly short price favourite here, Mischief Magic, who uh, won at Kempton uh, on his first start since being gelded. Obviously a Breeders' Cup winner last year. And um, he's two from two on the all-weather. Uh, he's he never lost, I think, when running around a turn. Um, saw five looks absolutely fine. You think he's, he's going to go well um, on, on the back of that Kempton win. Um, but I thought there's a, a few sort of each way alternatives in here. Um, Pink Crystal um, looks like a, um, one who could um, sort of you know, come late wide around the outside, probably where you want to be at uh, Lingfield. Takari Bear wasn't keen on that store one draw despite the fact that he got back to winning ways at Newcastle last time, um, about five minutes after I deleted it from my tracker. I thought I'm not uh, I'm not following him anymore. Uh, Exalted uh, Angel and Summerhand are the two that I will probably back each way to small stakes. Um, both have got plenty of previous in this race and in these good races at Lingfield. You can back all Carburet runners 
in um, class one sprints, you know, listed or group races on the all weather um, and make a profit. Exalted Angel was unlucky in a uh, five foot long handicap at Newcastle the other day, meeting trouble. And um, she seems a big price. And Summerhand, because won this race last year as the two to one favourite. Um, now, I know he's well well known for his exploits in big field straight course handicaps on turf, but he's got a very good record on the all weather. Um, he's only gone left handed on polytrack six times, two from two at Chelmsford and two from four at Lingfield. Uh, one of the defeats was excusable on account of a poor low draw. He was installed two round the inside, finished fourth. Um, so, yeah, I thought, you know, Summerhand, given uh, David O'Mara's current good form on the all weather, seemed a bit big at 20. So I'll go for Summerhand and Exalted Angel. Both to small each way stakes. Two lottery tickets. <laughs> just had to say it. Had to say it. Yeah, twenty to one and about the pair of those two former course and distance winners for Andrew. Right now, we sign off this part of our Cheltenham chats with a naught of one forty intermediate handicap hurdle for three year olds and over over two mile five at three thirty. Two smart novices from last season heading the betting. Those being Springwell Bay and Resplendent Grey. I like the fact that they rhyme at the head of the market. Uh, but Dave, who are you siding with in the intermediate handicap hurdle? Yeah, this one looks fairly straightforward to me. It's a fair, like kind of a niche race, and it like you touched on intermediate handicap hurdle. So it's basically second season novices. They can't have won a hurdle race before April 2022 last year. Looking at final declarations as well, I was surprised a few came out. Um, it's actually made the race a bit weaker than it looks before. So it means that the price has gone a little bit on the one that I fancy, but I don't care. It just means it's got an easier race. It is a 0 to 140. So just mentioning that because we've got 137 rated at the top, which is Springwell Bay. We've got 133 rated Rock My Way, but then below that it's 127. So although you've got that rating band in there, wouldn't be a vintage renewal. So Springwell Bay is the one that I think has got the most favourable chance in here. He just looks like a better horse than most of these in here. That aforementioned Fenner's Cross that you touched on with the Buddy One line, he was behind Fenner's Cross over two miles in the Sharp Novices Hurdle at Cheltenham last year. Um, he did step up in trip after that, and that seems to be the key to this horse. He needed a little bit further. I had him done as a bit of a two-miler, but he looked good at two and a half. Um, I think he is just a better horse. Like He's at least his rating, whereas I think some of these horses probably aren't. Um, I, yeah, I think Springwell Bay deserves to be favoured. I, I don't think he's a terrible price, to be fair. I would want to look at another horse as well, though, because obviously last time we did a preview for Cheltenham, I was kind of all over Rock My Way, who was poor. It was three miles. Maybe it proved that the trip was too much. Maybe he's just a little bit gone at the game because that was pretty much him failing to complete for his third consecutive start. He was due to run in a novice's handicap chase at Sandown on Sunday. So I was keen to see what he did there. But they pulled him out, they say, because of the ground. And then he's come in here. So they're not exciting things. They're not positive to be looking at a horse. However, I've said how weak this race is. I fancied him in a reasonable attempts qualifier last time. And he's 16 to 1 in a nine-runner field where I just think class will prevail. So I will definitely be back in Springwell Bay. And I will also have a win-only dart on Rock My Way for sort of like half a stake. Um, I think it's as simple as that. Just go with the classiest horses in the race. I'll quickly just mention Resplendent Grey because Ollie Murphy said before the Persian War, he really fancied him to run well. And I got a bit confused by that because he was rated 120 then. If you really fancied him, Ollie, find a nice handicap to put him in. He's up £7 for that. The form before that doesn't look like he should be 127. So I know it's a nice line of form behind Captain Teague. That form could look good after Friday. But maybe don't get too excited about Resplendent Grey. Happy to be proven wrong, but I'll stick with the ones that have got the form in the book. I need to start going before you, Dave. <laughs> because you've teamed me up 
beautifully again there for his blend and gray thank you so much <laughs> but yeah i i completely like you say i think that springwell bay is the right price at 94 at the head of the market totally and uh, and you're also of course taking the 20 to 1 about rock my way then for another bet but uh yeah i like resplendent gray in here though uh smart type the three hurdle starts to his name so far to go with that bumper success and uh and i don't think he was disgraced whatsoever he just mentioned that form line behind captain t last time out on his reappearance in the gray two persian war novices hurdle where there was there was a lot of chat about him uh expected to run well and he did to be fair i just think captain t at a time where a lot of the Paul Nichols' horses weren't exactly running to what we were hoping for, Captain T just ran to that and probably above that. So, yeah, hopefully that form boost will come tomorrow, Friday, in the Grade 2 uh, Hyde Novices Hurdle at Cheltenham. And I think he will win that. And hopefully then Resplendent Grey can further bolster that form himself because I think he improved for the step-up in grade and trip last time out also. And I'm still hoping that he'll prove better than a one two seven. For all that that is a little bit of a sting that he now has that mark so divided opinions again here andrew how did you split them yeah i think the most important thing in this race is to be on a hold up horse um eight of the last 10 winners came from off the pace the two exceptions uh cool cody who was very well handicapped when winning it at 25 to one when trained by michael blake he raced wide all the way around and uh, gal road shouldn't have won a few years ago because um bridget andrews had an absolute shocker an unexpected party who went around the swamp on the inside when i needed the horse for a treble yes i am bitter um, <laughs> <Still>. <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah look for a hold up horse look for a jockey who's likely to come wide i um, mean uh, harry skelton we, we i've talked about him before how well he is at how good he is at um, stuffing out where the best ground is at tracks like weatherby when there's a bias on the hurdles course you want to track wide and um, so you know, I, th I think he's a good book for resplendent glory. I thought um, he, he was uh, uh, the one I preferred over Springwell Bay, just on price grounds, really. But I'll go for Wonderful Eagle for um, the firm of solicitors, uh, Hobson White, who um, yeah lost his unbeaten record in Britain, went third at Newton Abbott last time. But the two that beat him um, have come out and run well in defeat since. So, uh, yeah, the ground won't bother him. And uh, hopefully, wonderful eagle will be wide um, for a yard that won this a few years ago. They did, yeah, seventeen to two. Then about wonderful eagle, right? There you go. Four selections for three of us. You're very welcome. Now that is the end of our scheduled races for Saturday. But of course, we've given so much chat about Cheltenham that it only feels right that we put it all into the context of the overriding meeting of the entirety of the jumps season and that is of course the Cheltenham Festival so we're going to start just drip feeding in bits of Cheltenham chat on this show so Andrew I'll go back to you for any thoughts this far out ahead to the festival yeah I'm going to throw up a funny one which might end up in the Fred Winter the Boodles novel, uh, juvenile handicap hurdle now I know it's hard enough to find the winner on the day and uh, it's one of those races where you can pretty much back every single horse in the field and make a profit we had a, an 80s one winner a couple of years ago but the horse in question runs at Cheltenham in the 12.35 on Saturday and it's Night of Allen for Jane Williams now uh, uh, I don't Good uh, discussion with um, Chester Williams, um, obviously ex-jockey and uh, uh, son, son of trainer Jane, who's is, is assisting uh, assisting his mum this year with uh, sort of placement of the horses. They were going to run this in a juvenile at um, Bangor, but that meeting was abandoned. And um, having been involved with the yard for many years with various horses and ownership, I know they don't waste bullets when they run horses in good races. You know, you often see them 
um, sort of popping up at big prices, placing in sort of listed and graded company. I think Jane had the third in this one a couple of years ago as well at 18 to 1. Now, Knight of Ireland breeding is interesting because the dam, uh, Atacamas, is... Uh, uh, been, was responsible for Galahad Quest, who um, was trained by um, uh, Nick uh, and Nick Williams, uh, Jane's ex, and uh, when they were sort of training to, together, I think, not didn't have separate names on the license. Ran, ran a, a disappointing race on debut, was 13 to 8 favourite, got beaten, but then next time out, finished second to Buzz at Taunton, because Buzz went on to achieve a rating of something like 152, and then third time out, Beat Knight Edition, who actually placed in the, uh, in the in the Fred Winter that year, and of course um, he Galahad Quest won a couple of times over fences, but did also run in the Fred Winter. wasn't given the best ride because he was prominent um, towards the inside when seven of the first eight home I think uh, came from off the pace. So uh, running in the same colours, um, so as the half brother um, uh, Galahad Quest. And, and again, uh, another half-sibling, Iker Allen, uh, was a, a bumper winner as well, I think, second time out. Probably need the run, but um, it's going to be a sort of big price, you know, 18, 20 to 1. Might be worth having a small each-way interest on Saturday, but certainly look out for this one second time out. And I'm just, you know, reading between the lines and thinking that all roads will lead to the Boodles. And uh, I don't know if there's any prices available for that now. Probably not because he hasn't seen a racetrack yet, but it might be worth keeping an eye on that market over the coming months. Yes, certainly. As I'm just literally getting it up there now to see if anyone is pricing up anything already. But Knight of Allen, I mean, he's 18 to 1 then for Saturday at Cheltenham, but ahead to the Boodles. And whilst I find myself some time looking up the price of Knight of Allen, uh, Dave, have you got any interest for the festival at this stage? Of course I have. It's all I'm interested about, all 365 days of the year. This weekend, Cheltenham meeting normally marks for me like the proper start of the season. We've got grade ones coming at our ears from next week onwards. There's a, there's a few good, good names that are coming out, right? So I'll just quickly skim through Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but it is pretty quick. Friday, we've got Delta Work and Galvin in the cross country. They can run well in defeat and enhance their claims for March. Tiger Roll was beaten maybe six lengths or something a few years back, but it was one of the best performances of his career. Considering that horse has won multiple Grand Nationals, quite a feat to say that, but it is a handicap, so treat it as such. Obviously, Captain Teague we've talked about. He'll be trying to set a benchmark for the best middle-distance British horse. Um, you'd really want to see something special if he's going to be a serious contender in March. I don't think it's a very deep race, but... If you do want to back him for March, you probably want to get on before he runs Friday because he will win. It's just the manner in which he does so. In Wexford overnight as well, two o'clock on Friday, there's a listed chase with some nice names in there. Ron's six turning seven. He needs to really step up in his class to prove that he can do stuff in the big conversations. But he's a shortest prize favourite. That does one horse that I really like for a handicap in March, either the probably the Kimmyor, but either the Kimmyor or the uh, Ultima, Manella Crooner. This horse needs to come down a bit in the weights. Running behind something like a Bron could get well beaten and that will help with that mark to come down. Interesting, this was bought before the Cheltenham Festival by, I think it's KPDMA or something yeah. like that, but they had um, Ida's boy, or Mount Ida, sorry, that won the Kimura a few years ago. So I reckon they're already plotting for that. Saturday, again, we'll go away from Cheltenham, but Fasal Vega makes his chase debut. Probably the best race of the week. I don't know, I think it's the Paddy Power Gold Cup, but I lied. He's going up against <laughs> in the pocket as well. Ground looks testing. Interesting from Cheltenham chat perspective that Barry Connell earmarked this race for Marine National that obviously beat him in the Supreme. He dodged it. He didn't even enter in. He said he's saving it for Christmas for better ground. I think he's looking for a softer race. But Fatal Vega, it will be insane to see him over a fence. That looks a real decent race. Back at Cheltenham on Saturday, Andrew's already talked about that, the juvenile in the first race. 
cracking line in there with the Fred Winterhorse. And it's interesting to bring those ones up as well, because so much will happen that will get forgotten about, even probably by us on the show, and there will be a price come March. But Burdett Road, all connections are saying this is an absolute weapon. Harry Cobden was really bullish after he went at Huntingdon. I don't believe that he would win the triumph in March. However, on Saturday, he is a nine to four poke because there's a French raider that's coming over that's two from two, but two from two defeated in France. Burdett Road's a nine to four poke on Saturday. So the time to strike on him is now. It's not all about Cheltenham, but it is all about Cheltenham. Sunday, Navin, we've got another beginner's chase that's the most exciting, potentially the most informative. Factorfile, Gaelic Warrior, Classical Dream, all entered for Willie Mullins. They won't go against each other. Factorfile and Gaelic Warrior entered next Thursday as well, but we're going to see one of those three, so that's going to be an interesting race. John Bond's going to be seen in the slower, taking on all the best of the British. And I know people will be talking about the Ryanair, Tom. He will go in the champion chase, and I think he will give El Fabiolo a proper proper serious conversation to do that he needs to win well in the slower he needs to go and bound up in the tingle creek but that is what i'm expecting we should be very excited about him and then the great wood which andrew might want to give us a tip on as well because i'm sure he's got some stats and a bet in there but that's one of my favorite handicaps of the season it's got good pointers for the bet fair hurdle potential pointers to the county in march nemi and lion for kerry lee will win lucia probably will run and i've said i'll bet her next time she's in a handicap she would need to be winning this if she's going to make into that grade one male i think she could be but it's fantastic racing really exciting stuff coming up and yeah all roads do lead to cheltenham but we've got this cheltenham weekend first we certainly do, but no punches being pulled there by Dave. We have lots of bullish statements, notably on Fasal Vega, on John Bond as well. Then looking forward to the festival. Now, I couldn't get a price of on Knight of Allen for the Brudels. He's not in the, the betting as it stands. Burdett Road is, though, 16 to 1 at present. So going to be very telling our opening race at Cheltenham on Saturday. Looking forward to plenty of targets further down the line. Right, uh, Andrew, go back to you, please, for anything from anywhere else this weekend. Um, just going back to the Schler chase, um, showing the ground's probably going to be too slow for Nube Negra, who's bidding for his third straight win in the race. Um, yeah, Edward Stone, difficult to recommend after that um, um, poor effort in the Queen of the Champion Chase last time. So it's probably John Bond's race to win. But Banbridge is interesting. Um, he's two from two at Cheltenham. You know, one at the festival before. I, I did look at the betting for the Ryanair. He's 16 to one for that, 50 to one for the Champion Chase. So it seems effective over two to two and a half. I just wonder which race they will go for. But uh, yeah, I wouldn't, wouldn't be surprised to see him uh, run a good race on Saturday, maybe chasing John Bourne home, uh, assuming uh, he does turn up and, um, and then win at the festival. But uh, yeah, I'd be, uh, if, if you are playing in that uh, Schler chase, maybe look at the John Bourne Banbridge forecast. Okay, John Bond at Banbridge forecast eight to one Banbridges that of course coming up on Sunday for Schler Chase. Dave, anything from anywhere else? So yeah, I mentioned Burdett Road. He's a definite bet on the Saturday in that opener. Five to two years at the price time of collective recording. I think that's a massive price. And then Nemi and Lion in the Great would really fancy this one. If Lucia is declared, which people are saying she will be, I think it's too close to a tough race that uh, Weatherby last day. But if she's declared, I will also be betting Lucia. But Nemi and Lion, hopefully Lucia stays away and let me get my moment in the sun. <laughs> Hopefully so, then me in line then for Dave. Right, Dave, I'll go back to you, please, for your nap then of the weekend. Oh, I mean, I'm definitely siding between two of them and I was going to wait till you said it. So I'm going to have to just go gung-ho and Chantry House is never a nine-to-one shot in any race that he runs in, let alone a handicap where he's off 147. So Chantry's House is the nap for the weekend. 
You know what I feel like that was? I feel like that's when the waiter comes to you at the table and you haven't properly looked at the menu, but you don't want them to go away for another 15 minutes. So you make a panic decision last minute. And that's why I feel I've just pounced upon you then for your nap. But hopefully that will be the case then for Chantry House. Andrew, your naps, please. Uh, Mr. Coffee to finish second. <laughs> you can have it, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, okay, that'll do. Perfect. Mr. Coffee to do what he does best and to finish second. And I'll go body one then in the 255 at Cheltenham, the three mile handicap hurdle. Right. We've covered everything. Cheltenham beyond to the festival. So a big thank you to Dave and to Andrew for all of their hard work. A big thank you to our sponsors, Bet MGM. Big thank you to you at home for watching. Do enjoy the action this weekend at Cheltenham. We're all going. So come along, say hi if you see any of us there. Enjoy it. And we'll be back with you again next week.